Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles this morning to uh, the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And in Colossians 3, we're, we're, we're kind of moving on with this subject matter of uh, the putting on. And, uh, oh, sorry, forgot the Sunday school guys again. Sorry. <laughs> forgot to dismiss them. But they're dutiful. They just kind of go on and do their thing. <laughs> yeah, amen for that. Uh, so um, we're right there uh, down at that part where he, he says uh, that we're supposed to put off in verse 8 uh, certain things. Uh, we're supposed to put off the old man in verse 9. And we're supposed to put on, if you will, the new man and in verse 10 and put on, as we were begin to read last week in verse 12, certain characteristics, certain, if you will, mindset and actions that are, are important for a believer to, to do. Uh, they, they are something that is required of us by God. And, and, and truly one of the things that, that, you know, when we start looking at scripture, we have to really understand and grasp this concept that God is giving us commands, you know, uh, a lot of people will get into that mindset of, oh, hey, you know, we're not under the law. We've got all this liberty, right? We've got liberty. We don't have liberty to sin, and Romans covers that. But there's still things that God tells us to do. I mean, we obviously find there is a what's referred to as the law of Christ in Galatians 6. And we find there's a law of liberty. We find that there's a law that he talks about in Romans, about the war that's going on in the mind, if you will, the battlefield that happens and occurs, uh, where, where, where people fall away, which, you know, leads right over to Romans chapter 12, having that mindset uh, that has been transformed. Uh, and again, this is something that we as believers have to understand. So when we're taking a look here at uh, specifically uh, verse 12 of Colossians 3, let's go ahead and read it. It says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering here. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have any quarrel, have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, I will tell you this, verse 13 is probably one of the most important principles that you can ever grasp and get a hold of, uh, not to discount verse 12, but but I will tell you this, that last part of chapter thir- or verse 13 is probably going to, if you will, save your bacon when it comes to dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, if there's a quarrel, forgive. Move on. I mean, uh, honestly, we spend so much time worrying about things that we ought not worry about. Now, now again, remember the, th- the, the, the main thought that we have going on here in Colossians, the preeminence of Christ. If my mindset is going to be, hey, this person did me wrong. Hey, this person is, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I've got a problem with them. And it takes up, if you will, a, a time in our thought process to sit there and think and fester and let it, you know, if you will, ferment and grow, then, then, then we are not having Christ preeminent. That's, that's the issue. You know, as a Christian, and a lot of people, again, you know, they'll take up some some disagreement with this, but this is what God is saying clearly we as believers should be doing and how we should be behaving. And this is something that we put on, meaning that it is conscious. As we see in verse 12, and we kind of mentioned a little bit last week, he's talking about the bowels of mercies, and we know how important mercy is. We know that that's something that is, if you will, the duty of man, as it talks about over there uh, in the Old Testament, that we're supposed to be doing that, uh, if you will, extending mercy to other people when when God has extended so much mercy towards us. I mean, really, we are so undeserving of God's mercy. I mean, we, 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 we should have been fried crisp in, in, a, in, a, in a minute a long time ago. If, if if we were ourselves, 
you know, in that position of God to judge and do things, we would be so unmerciful as a God. We would just, I mean, if somebody just wrongs us, somebody says something about it, Zot. Somebody looks at us the wrong way, kind of, you know, that, that, that hairy, you know, side eye, Zot. Something of that nature. But here we are, we see that he describes it as bowels. And again, when we're referring to bowels, we're talking about the innermost part of the person. What, what is your, you know, we talk about, if you will, the core of the body. If you've done any workouts or bodybuilding or, you know, weightlifting, things like that, they talk about core. And that core is, uh, if you will, those core muscles that you wind up using a lot. And I will tell you this, once they've been cut open, uh, you realize exactly how much you rely on your stomach muscles. And, uh, you know, again, you've ever had surgery down there, you realize, oh man, uh, yeah, this is, this is difficult. It's hard to get in and out of chairs. It's hard to get in and out of a, 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 a bed. It's hard to, to, to walk. It's hard to stand. It's, you know, after a while, you're just sitting there going, well, what position can I be in other than being hung? You know, <laughs> still even then, you're probably going to use the core muscles if you do anything with your legs. And then again, that is why, you know, God points out in Ephesians chapter 6, that our loins, if you will, that bowel area is to be girt about with truth. Meaning that there is something that is a foundational principle that cannot be denied, that cannot be ignored. Because if we build our, our, our if you will, our, 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 our Christian life on, on lies, as he was saying, you're to lie not one to another. If we build it all on lies, guess what happens? It falls apart. It's building on sand. It's building with improper materials. It's just not going to hold up. It doesn't have that durability. So here he is saying that as a conscious effort, you need to exercise mercy. That should be the very first stop. Not vengeance. Not wrath. There might be an anger that comes up, but use the anger correctly. Use the anger correctly to, 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 if you will, engage the Lord, get close to him. Remember, that's what every emotion is supposed to do. Draw us near to God. Anger is supposed to draw you near to God because you need resolution of what may be a problem in your life. And you go to God first. And you have God handle it. You exercise some meekness. You exercise, uh, you know, as we were going into this, this passage, there's a lot of things that you exercise. So when he's talking about that innermost portion of us, that innermost part, that should be filled with mercy. Like God is. Like God is. God is so merciful. Turn over to Lamentations chapter 3. I mean, this is a a very familiar passage in Lamentations 3. And I'll tell you this, I really, you know, Lamentations is a very interesting book. You you, you read Lamentations and uh, you kind of realize, hey, you know, uh, you know, a lamentation is, you know, person crying, weeping out loud, uh, bewailing all these things and so on and so forth. But in, in, in the middle of all this, you know, you go through Lamentations 1 and 2, and here you get to Lamentations chapter 3, um, and, and uh, um, am I in the right passage here? Hold on a second. Hold on just one minute here. I think I missed up, I put down the wrong... Man, alive. Okay, there we go. Let's go over to verse 21. <laughs> uh, got it even underlined in my Bible, too. <laughs> I don't know why I said verse 3, but it says in verse 21, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And what is this? 
It is of the Lord's mercy we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Man, if you want something to like hang in your house on like a tapestry or, you know, do one of those arts and crafts things, here's a verse that you can put on there that you could read every single day. Now, I am one of those people that that I I honestly think you should have artwork that is the word of God hanging. It goes back over there to Deuteronomy, right? You're supposed to put it on your doorpost. You're supposed to put it everywhere, so on and so forth. If you've got it hanging in your house, that's a good thing. Because I'll tell you, it will freak out an unbeliever when they walk in the house and there's Bible verses written all over the walls. They'll be like, and if it's a, if it's a believer, they'll catch on to it and they'll go, hey, that's cool. And you're like, oh, yeah, you, you, you're a Christian? Yeah. You know, you're saved, born again, child of God. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you get to a testimony or whatever. It's a time of fellowship. Praise God. Right. But I'll tell you, this is a good verse. It's a, the Lord's mercies. We are not consumed. You know, you go over there and, 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 and he, he, he talks about, uh, uh, um, backbiting and backbiting is a very serious thing. God, let's just put it this way. God hates it. It's not something that should ever be conducted by a Christian at all. And he talks about, you know, you know, if you bite each other, be careful not to devour each other. Now that's not again a, 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 a caveat to go about doing that, you know, uh, uh, you know, biting other Christians. That's, you know, it's not something we're supposed to do, but he talks about, you know, devouring somebody consuming. If mercy is not there, you can destroy a person's life. You can destroy a person's life by not exercising mercy. Imagine what would happen if you did not exercise any mercy towards your children. You're like, well, sometimes they do. No. (laughs) But think about it for a second. If you didn't exercise some mercy towards your children... Your children would be probably on five different antidepressants. They'd be struggling with life in general. They would feel abandoned. Because mercy is, if you will, an act of who God is, an act of love towards another person. I think a lot of people forget that. This is something that we as believers are supposed to put on. We're supposed to put on. Take a look going back over there to, to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, in verse 12, he says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness. Kindness. Keep your place there again and go over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind one to another. Why in the world are Christians so mean? Uh, Seriously. I mean, I, 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 I... I've seen stuff. I've, I, I, I've experienced stuff. You know, I, I've, I've seen things as, as, as a child, as a young adult in churches, uh, all sorts of things. And I, I've witnessed just, if you will, it almost makes you become a Calvinist, like the total depravity of man, you know, just like, wow, what's wrong with these people? Well, the problem is, is when Christ is not at the forefront of our mind, what Christ's sacrifice has been for us is not at the forefront of our mind. Guess what happens? We are going to be unkind to someone else. You know how kind it was for the Lord to die on that cross for your sin? For my sin? He didn't have to do that. You know, we live in a day and age now where, you know, to a degree for a while there, a lot of people weren't even accepting kindness. Like you hold a door open for somebody and somebody would yell at you. 
I've noticed that there's been a little bit of that fading away now. Thank God for it. The other day I was coming out of a doctor's office and, and, uh, there was uh, people behind me and, uh, uh, I, I grabbed the door and I held the door open. I was exiting the building. I, I held the door open and the people behind me were a good, you know, 10, 12 paces behind me. I just stood there and held the door open, waited for him. Just a little act of kindness. You know, manners. We used to call them manners. People, people don't understand what manners are. Manners, you know, some people think manners are uppity and things of that nature. No, manners are not. Manners aren't about that. Manners are preferring someone else. It's actually part of the charity thing. When we would sit down and look at it, I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to waste that minute holding that door for those people. But our that should be our automatic default, if you will, to just be kind. And you know what? It has to be something that is not, if you will, an automatic default where you're on autopilot. It's something that you actively think about that pops into your mind. Oh, I need to be kind. I need to be kind. We talked a little bit about that. We talked a little bit here with the humbleness of mind. The humbleness of mind. Uh, again, one of these things that is really important is we have to stop looking at ourselves as better than someone else. My mom uh, taught me something uh, um, uh, about about that when I was younger. And uh, the, the whole mindset was this. She said... Uh, uh, don't think of yourself as somebody that can defeat everybody in a fight because there's always going to be a better fighter than you. You're like, your mom taught you that? Yes. But I'll tell you this, there's always going to be somebody that's better. There, there, there are people that can do a lot better job th- than I do with certain things. I need to understand that. I need to acknowledge that. And then what do I do? I go and I, you know, I learn from a person like that. I decide I'm going to make a choice and say, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe there's something that's there that, uh, that I need to pay attention to. Because I want to do everything that I'm doing as pleasing unto the Lord. Now, it's not always going to yield the same results as we go and we talk about and I keep mentioning it. You know, uh, those servants over there with the talent, one, t- one servant grew it bigger than the other one, right? Both were considered faithful. It was the one that did nothing with it that was the unfaithful one. So it has to get to this mindset of, you know, look, I- I've got to put pride down. Proverbs chapter 6 makes it clear what God thinks about that proud look. It's an abomination to him. It's, it's, if you will, a satanic Luciferian mentality where an individual says in their heart, I'm better, I'm better than God. Now, we as believers, we wouldn't sit there and think, well, well, that's the case, you know, cause again, Christianity 101 says we should have no other gods before God. And we're like, oh no, God's God, God is God. God's the only God. He's, you know, he's my Lord and Savior and, and things of that nature. Well, if he truly was, then we would have a humbleness because to realize that we're in the presence of God, according to Ephesians chapter uh, one, we are there with him and he is in us and the Holy Ghost dwells in us, we should have a very, if you will, humble mindset of, yeah, God sees and knows everything that you do. Including the thoughts of your heart. Nobody here can do that, by the way. I'm not a mind reader. Nobody else in here is a mind reader. 
But the problem is, is we get a little bit of that pride. We think we're, we're, we're you know, we, we've done something. We get a little bit of an accolade and we start getting a big head and we start, you know, our, swelling our ego and so on and so forth. And people are like, well, you know, that's confidence. Well, I'm confident of one thing. I'm confident that I can do nothing without Jesus Christ. I need him. And that's the preeminent mindset. If we don't put on that humbleness of mind, meaning that, that again, this is something that we truly have to actively work on, that I will tell you this, we are not putting Christ first. We're putting ourselves first. We're putting ourselves first. When I put myself first, I basically say to everyone else, you don't matter. You're not a priority. I don't care about you. Now, you know, obviously there are the extremes where you see the narcissist who is, is that person that feeds off of people, if you will. Uh, uh, but we kind of look at ourselves and go, well, hey, at least I'm not like him, right? That sounds really familiar. Like the Pharisee. I thank God that I'm not like that publican. And what did the publican say? God be merciful unto me, a sinner. Desiring that mercy. We really truly have to understand, you know, we're not God's gift to anything. We're not. God's gift was given to us on the cross, through the resurrection, through his word, through his Holy Spirit, giving us abilities. That's all God. And when we begin to get that mindset, we begin to have Christ right where he should be at the preeminent thought of everything, everything that we do. Again, we talked about meekness, talking about what meekness is, and 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 meekness is 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 really truly about trusting God. Meekness is about trusting God. Moses being the meekest man, right? What happened when when uh, when Moses had uh, a couple of uprisings? Did you see Moses taking uh, any uh, any action towards that? I always like to remind people, if you go over there and read Nehemiah, who is, you know, if you will, kind of like a type of a pastor in Scripture, I always remind them, uh, throwing things and pulling hair is always an option for a pastor. <laughs> I can find a verse for it, all right? <laughs> but I'll tell you this, it's better to just default and say, you know what? I think I'm going to let God handle it. Because when I try to handle it, I'll mess it up. Aaron and Miriam rise up. Has God only spoken by Moses? Look at he married an Ethiopian woman. And then God said, three of you in my office right now. And did you notice what's really scary about that? It says the Lord departed. Could you imagine being standing there as a congregation of Israel as that's going down and you're watching Family Feud and they're going back and forth at it and you're like, whoa. And the next thing you know is, you know, there's the voice that comes and says, you know, I want Aaron and Miriam and Moses to come to the the tabernacle. I want you to come near and they get near and then all of a sudden the cloud disappears. That pillar of fire that was at night disappears, was gone. That's like having no map, no GPS, and not being able to navigate by the stars because there's a cloud cover. You don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. Korah rises up against Moses. 
Moses is like, well, the Lord will handle it. If, uh, if the Lord doesn't want me as his, his guy, then fine. If he, if he does, then God will do something new and the earth will swallow you whole. And sure enough, it did. Sure enough, it did. But you know what it is? It's a matter of trust. Meekness is where you really truly start trusting God. Because you start pushing yourself and your responses to the back. This is how I normally would respond. Well, I'm not going to do that. This is how I'm going to, to respond. I'm going to let God handle it. And, and, and that's not, you know, just to dismiss it or anything of that nature. What it is, is it's meant and intended for us to see the mighty work of God doing something. And it's great when you watch God do something. It's great when something, you know, something happens and then God comes in and he, if you will, intervenes and things totally different than how you would expect them to turn out. That's God. That's God. But as we see, as we go through this, you know, and and again, there's the long suffering there, which we've, we've talked about. And again, that all matches what we see over there in Ephesians 4. As I said, a kind of a parallel book. Where he says in verse 32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Because we move right into verse 13 where he says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Turn over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now, understanding what meekness is, and understanding the restoration process and how that works, as we've talked about, you know, when it comes to correction, that is an important part of the correction process, is making things right. I'll tell you this, this is an important thing. When we watch people, uh, you know, go through different things and they come and they're an offense to you, they're overtaken in a fault. God says, look, you know, if you're spiritual and you have a, a, if you will, some spiritual maturity level greater than that of a two-year-old, you should be able to forgive. You should be able to restore somebody in meekness. Make that relationship what God intended it to be. Because you're trusting God with that. But here he says in verse uh, uh, verse uh, 1 where he says, Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Meaning you can fall into the same problem. can fall into the same problem. Somebody looking at a person in a situation saying, hey, you know, here, here's an individual that uh, uh, I see they've got pride and, and, and it's just, you know, oozing forth out of them. Uh, they've got pride issues left and right and, 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 and uh, you know, it's, it's causing problems in your life. Don't, don't sit there and think that that can't happen to you. Every last one of us here has pride. Let's just get that clear. Because all it takes is one, sometimes one word, one action to really tick you off. It may be as simple as a car cutting you off on I-5. It may be as simple as somebody uh, chewing with their mouth open. It may be as, as something as... as, as as simple as, you know, and let's just put it this way, as ridiculous as whatever little physical nitpicking thing you want to focus on. Look, let's all understand we've got, we've all got habits that everybody hates. Word to the wise, don't ever sit down with, you know, with your spouse and say, let's go over each other's bad habits and work on them together. (laughs) Bad idea. You know what you do with that? Forgive one another. Don't bring it up. (laughs) 
I mean, you know, obviously I kind of say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but you know, if it's obviously an issue of sin, you've got to address that. All right. But if it's just, you know, nitpicking or something of that nature, come on, don't go there. But he, he makes it clear in verse two, he says, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. He deceiveth himself. Tonight we're going to talk over there in First John chapter 1 uh, about some self-deceit that goes on, where if we say we have no sin, he says we deceive ourselves, right? Here, this in, in, Paul's pointing this out, and he's saying, look, if you think you're, you're hot stuff, you're really not. The Tim Shanks colloquialism. You think you're hot snot but on a silver platter, but you're a cold booger on a paper plate. <laughs> I have to quote that. That was a Tim Shanks one. I heard that for the first time when I was, and I'm just like, really? I come up to him after service and I look at him and I said, really? And I said, that's a good one. And he's like, I don't know, this just kind of came out. And I'm like, no, that's a keeper. <laughs> because we think of ourselves as something better than someone else, we're going to fall into the same trap that other person falls into. And it's a pride issue. It's a pride issue. And he says here, we need to bear one another's burdens. So we go back over there and we, we, we see in verse 13 where it's forbearing one another. A very similar concept. You ever have somebody in your life that just aggravates you to death? They walk into a room and immediately your spirit goes from, yeah, it's a good day to, oh. Now, I pray that that's not the case. You know, there have been times that, you know, uh, at work and, and I'll have a caller ID and I'll see something come up on there and I'll see that person's name uh, on that, uh, you know, caller ID for work. And I'll just look at it and I'll go, I think I'm just going to let it ring. Let it go to voicemail. Cause I know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm just going to save him the breath of having to say it. And then he's going to go ahead and go to someone else and try to get the answer that he wants to get and so on and so forth. So, you know, again, we, we, we all have people that, that aggravate us. But when it comes to the body of Christ, we need to make sure that we're, we're capable of bearing with it. So they don't fit your standards. Who said your standards are godly anyways? So they don't fit your mold of what you think that person should be. Bear with it. Yeah, but they should be this, this, and this. Okay, I understand from a scriptural perspective and a scriptural point of view, but I will tell you this, bear with them. You don't expect your kid when they, you know, there they are, uh, uh, you know, freshly born. You don't expect them to, you know, look at them and go get a job, hippie. You, you, you don't expect them to be a productive member of society for a while. You're sitting there going, man, they're not going to be productive for about 18 years, 20 years, 25 years, maybe when they're 30. You know, you, you, you start thinking about stuff like that. You know what you have to do? You have to bear with it. You have to forbear them. Forbearing when they make mistakes. Looking at them and going, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to help them. I'm going to teach them. What forbearing really looks like? It looks like when, uh, when, when Peter's like, okay, if my brother offends me seven times in a day, how many times am I allowed to forgive him? Christ says, you know, seven times in the day, seven times uh, 70, so on and so forth. And people go out there and they actually count the 490 and blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. 
That you, you totally missed the point of what God what God was getting at. But the idea is, is that are we willing to just bear with it? You know how much God bears with us? With our foolishness? With the things that we do? The things that make the Holy Spirit, if you will, be grieved? Those are all things that we find in Scripture. That was happening right around the time that Christ, I mean, Christ had not been, it wasn't that long since he'd been on the earth in the form of man that Paul was writing those things. It wasn't even a hundred years. And they're still having, and at that point in time, they're having issues then, just like we're having issues now. And what we do is we begin to look at it and we begin to say, well, I'm going to understand that not everybody's going to grow at the same rate. Great. You know, maybe we, we, we got a concept of, uh, of doing away with sin at an early point in our, you know, Christian life. And, and we were able to get some victory, uh, early on. And we've, we, we've been doing well with that and, and, and moving forward. Uh, great. Praise God for it. Hallelujah. Don't expect somebody else to do that. There was a pastor he was talking about when, you know, when he first got saved, uh, he was a smoker and, uh, he, he realized that that was not what God wanted him to do. So one day he just uh, laid down his pack of cigarettes and walked away from it. Never picked it up ever again. Amen. Praise God. That doesn't work for everyone, does it? It doesn't work for everyone. Some people, it might be a lifelong struggle. But the fact is, is are we willing to bear with that person? Forbearing with them. Forbearing one another, and in verse 13, and forgiving one another. You know, I think about those two paired together. The, 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 the story that comes to mind is the story of the prodigal son. I said this the other day in, in basic when I was uh, talking to something, uh, talking to the teens about some things. Uh, um, and, and you never see, and, and I'm not going to claim this as my own because this is again somebody else's kind of phrase, phraseology of it. You never see God in a hurry to do anything in Scripture. You know what you see God in a hurry to do? Forgive someone as a type of the Lord. The father runs to the son and readily forgives. That's the concept that we should have. He says over in Ephesians 4, we should forgive each other as, as, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Not hold it against a person. And you know what? I will tell you this. Your flesh and the devil will bring that to mind constantly. You know, they did that to you one time. You know, they did that to you one time. You know what they also, also they did? Okay. You know what your response should be? It's forgiven. It's under the blood. I'm moving on. It's forgiven. I'm moving on. I've forgiven them. God's forgiven them. I'm moving on. And this is something that we have to put on as a conscious effort. We should have, if you will, that default of being willing to forgive. That should be, if you will, who we are because of what Christ has done for us. But let's not just get into the automatic mode of uh, 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 thinking, thinking. Well, you know, they're going to understand that. No, you actually engage in forgiveness. You know what that means? You actually have to utter the words, "I forgive you." 
Look, if somebody ever comes and apologizes to you, don't just sit there and go, well, it's okay. No, it's not okay. That's the worst thing you can say. Somebody comes up and, and, and they say, I, I apologize, I was wrong. Don't, don't, don't mock them. Don't deride them and go, oh, finally you admitted you were wrong or something of that nature. You know, I know sometimes we do that in jest and, and things of that nature, but I'm talking about serious issues. Don't, don't ever do that. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that to you? When we have Christ's preeminence, you know what we should do? We should have the mindset, and we're going to get look at it tonight. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we want to be called a faithful servant of God, we should exhibit the same. We should be readily saying that. Never hold it against a person. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. You know, okay, you don't know what half the people in this, this this auditorium did. And I guarantee you, you probably don't want to know what half the people in this auditorium did. And quite frankly, if it's under the blood and it hasn't affected you, it's none of your business. Because all that's going to do is this. It's going to use, the, the devil will use that so that you think lower of that person and higher of yourself. It's not humility of mind. We've got to go through this active process of engaging and thinking like this. It's a purposed mindset. The putting on is a purposed action to do. You purpose to put on clothes. You don't just throw them on the bed and lay down on them and hope that they climb, you know, climb all over you and you get, you know, it dresses you in the morning. I mean, that would be a great thing for, for those of us that are kind of, you know, old and decrepit and trying to have a hard time getting clothes on sometimes. You know, we're sitting there like struggling, you know, the other day, I, you know, my shoulder's all messed up and I'm trying to get a, get a jacket on. I'm sitting there for like, for a minute flailing around looking like some sort of crazy person, you know, in the, in, in, in my hallway in the, in, in my house, like flopping around on this thing, trying to get it on. And then Amy walks by and I'm like, can you please help me here? <laughs> Look like I was having a seizure be nice if that just was automatically i just walked up to the coat and it just jumped on me and everything was fine doesn't do that it's got to be an active process it's got to be an active process just like it's got to be an active process to forgive to forbear to do all of these things and he, he summarizes this and he says look you know here here's a different attitude here, here is a choice that you get to make. You get to put off all these things. You get to put on this. Here's something that is different in this life. If you guys have a quarrel, how about you just, just say, hey, you know what? This is stupid. Let's just forgive each other and move on. Just move on. Why can't people do that? Because of pride. Because of pride. We find here in verse, uh, as, as we continue on in verse 14, the main concept of, of, of why things fail. Why, why, why there's, there's such an issue and a struggle. And it's this mentality of charity. In verse 14, he says, above all these things, put on charity. So he goes through three things to put on. So here we are at the seventh one. We have the fifth one was put on new man. The sixth one was put on, therefore, all those things that we find in 12 and 13. Here's 14. Here's another one. This is the seventh one out of these 12 that we've identified uh, in this passage. But he says this, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Put on charity. Now, I, now I want you to notice that phrase, above all these things. Because I will tell you this, those other ones are going to be a lot more difficult to do if you don't have a charitableness or a charitable bone in your body. 
Go to, go to, to, uh, obviously 1 Corinthians 13. I mean, that, that is the chapter that covers charity. That is the one that, that, that really gets into the meat of the matter. <clears throat> in verse 12, uh, or excuse me, in chapter 12, verse 31, uh, Paul writes, but covet earnestly the best gifts and I, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And that more excellent way, he goes into, uh, chapter 13. And what does he start talking about? The more excellent way is the charitableness, is charity. Because we find that he says uh, that, that, that the greatest of the three of faith, hope, and charity is charity. Charity is greater than faith. Charity is greater than hope. People put, put faith right at the top of the list, don't they? Faith is important. Oh, faith is absolutely important. But I'll tell you this, without charity, salvation would never have existed. Why? Because again, to, if you will, define what charity is from a scriptural perspective, this is the definition that I always give when I talk about charity. Charity is the disposition of the heart which inclines men to prefer others over self in the areas of both physical and spiritual needs, translating into sacrificial actions towards others for the purpose of edifying others without regard to the personal outcome of self. You're like, oh, that's a big definition. It's because it's a big subject. And I don't think we do it justice by, you know, just throwing it in there and saying, well, it's love and action. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. It is a heart, like I said, that, that, that its disposition, what its component is, that it leans towards saying, I am going to actually prefer somebody else in this matter, and I am going to want to, if you will, make them happy in all these things. It, 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 charity is a pride killer. If you have an issue of pride in your life, work on charity. Take this definition Look at every instance where God talks about charity in Scripture, and you will see how much importance God places on charity. He's got a whole chapter dedicated to this. I mean, what does he say here? You know, he talks about it in, in this, in verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Exactly what we were just talking about over there. Charity envieth not itself, is not vaunteth, vaunteth not itself, it is not puffed up. There's the pride issue, there's the humbleness. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. There is the meekness part of this. He says, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, there's the forbearing, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Charity never faileth. This is something that we as believers really truly got to get, get, get a grasp on. It's not going to fail. You put yourself in there, it will fail. You put charity in there, it's not going to. Because again, God talks about loving him first and then loving neighbors next. Where do I fall in that? Does it matter? Does it really matter? It doesn't. It doesn't matter uh, one iota. You're like, well, you know, I, I need to know what's going to happen to me. Why don't you just trust God with that? Why is that so important? Because, again, we have fears about uncertainty. We have fears about unknown. We're not fearing God, we're fearing whatever the outcome is. Charity doesn't fear the outcome. Charity welcomes the outcome. But that might, that might put me out. That might, uh, uh, you know, mean I have to do something different in my life than it does. That means I might have to change something, then, then you do. 
God talks a lot about charity. We'll find out a little bit more about it next week. But, but, but again, just really clearly, while we're there over in 1 Corinthians, I want to take a look at uh, uh, two additional verses, chapter 8 and in verse 1. Because he doesn't just casually mention this just once. Paul's building up to chapter 13. In chapter 8 and in verse 1, he says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know uh, that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Now remember, this is the same book where he told them over there that they needed to excel at what? Edification. In order to excel at edification, they have to excel in charity. That's the more excellent way. Take a look at what he says in chapter uh, um, uh, chapter 14. Chapter 14 of the same book. Chapter 14. After he just went through the whole dissertation of what charity is. In verse 1, he says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. He says, follow after charity. Now, that's an interesting concept, because who are we supposed to follow after? Christ. There is no more charitable person that has ever existed on the face of the earth than Jesus Christ himself. You will never find more charity than in Jesus alone. That's the concept that we have to have. Now, Lord willing, next week we'll take a look at a couple of these these verses about this, but then we're going to start realizing what happens there, and all these things that we begin to do start showing what happens when we're yielded to that mindset. Peace comes. Peace comes. And it becomes important when we start realizing that peace needs to rule. Meaning, you know what? We have to be subject and submissive and obedient to peace. And we'll explore that kind of mindset a little bit more next week. But again, that all puts Christ as the preeminent. If we're following after Christ, we're following after charity. Putting on charity is putting on Christ. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again, Lord, for just an opportunity to just dig into your word, Lord, and see the truths and the principles that are contained herein that we can please you and live according to your will. I pray, Lord, that you just continue to uh, be with our hearts and, Lord, that we be prepared and ready to receive uh, the, the message this morning at 11 o'clock hour. That, Lord, we would just glorify you and praise you for who you are and what you've done for us. And all of this I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.